Well, hello once again, everybody. It is maintenance day, and uh, we are here. We, by my myself, Joe Yurden, and Lance Lasowski of the Buffalo News, and boy, oh boy, uh, it's fun. There's there's lots of machinations going on, and I'm I'm so excited. I'm spinning all over my computer, which is really unfortunate for me because I have to clean it up. But anyway. Um, <laughs> The uh, we've got we've had a lot of games to look at here. We've had a lot of practices to watch. We've had a lot of things to keep an eye on as the uh, this, the roster gets pared down as we go steaming ahead towards training camp. And Lance, uh, it's Monday, uh, and Don Granado basically told us he's got the lineup pretty squared away. It's uh, I don't know. Let's, let's wrap it up, folks. Yeah, it's the only question is going to be what the lines look like on opening night. You know, he said that he's going to give this this last week of camp. He's going to use this to see, okay, is Olofsson the best fit for Thompson Skinner off the bat? Tuckwit Middlestad and Quinn. Then you've got Cousins, Krebs, and Paterka on the line. Asplund at center, another very interesting layer to all of this. He got a, a preseason game in at that position on Saturday with Zemgis on the left wing and Ooh, Kyle Lockposo on the right. Of course, that was a very good line with Cody Eakin at center, right? Defensively mm-hmm. a few years back, or even going before then, Johan Larson. So as of right now, Joe, yeah, it's just all a matter of, okay, who are your, who are going to be the, you know, who's, what's the final roster? How, what does that look like? We, they've got a lot of extra defensemen here right now, three goalies and yeah, but what we knew, what we suspected all along, and what they made clear through their offseason moves is that Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka are on this team, regardless of, of how training camp has went. Jack Quinn, I thought, has been really, really good. JJ mm-hmm. Paterka, you're still kind of waiting to see, you know, him translate, you know, that game into, you know, preseason and, you know, of course, in practices and whatnot. It's uh, it's it's fascinating, it, you know, because you can only glean. I mean. Listen, preseason games, you're playing against lineups that are half AHL, three-quarter AHL, especially, you know, but, but it's a home game. You're, you know, the Sabres are playing a home game. The, the team coming in is very much closer to an AHL squad than it is an NHL squad, and vice versa when the Sabres are on the road. They, you know, they're bringing a, you know, a less loaded lineup than they would, you know, normally. But, uh, but watching watching how some of these guys practice together, you kind of get an idea of what they think of everybody and seeing Quinn with Middlestat and talk is really interesting because I think Quinn does a lot of stuff very similar to Jeff Skinner, just slightly different. He's not as much of a, uh, agility guy. Like he's not as shifty with the puck and he's certainly not, he doesn't carry the same sort of attitude as Skinner does, but, (laughs) um, but a lot of what he does hopping on loose pucks and whatnot is just as dangerous. So that really intrigues me just as it does with, with Olofsson being Olofsson, such a different player than Tuck. So I'm really curious how that will work itself out here as, you know, towards the end of the preseason because that ends what Friday night is the last game and then we wait another week for regular season games but uh but that's really interesting to me to see that kind of dynamic because again last year Skinner Thompson Tuck was was it that was the show I, and we sort of got the sense right at the start of camp that it wasn't going to be the show on opening night Don Granado hinted to the media that if you're just sticking with what you did in the past, you're, there's no way for you to get better. So at the very least, he wanted to experiment with a few different looks. Olsen really 
I know that fans have expressed the concern that, well, there's three shooters on that line. I would disagree on, on that front. I think that when you have Skinner and Thompson putting somebody like Victor, who has that shot, who can finish some of the opportunities, because there's going to be whoever's on that right side is going to really benefit from the attention that those other two are going to, to really garner. And Olsen, underrated playmaker. He really showed that aspect of his game last year when he couldn't, couldn't really use his shot. So a fascinating one. I think Alex Tuck is going to create He's going to create time and space for Middlestad and Quinn, which is really important to really put those those two players in their best position, and especially as Quinn is adjusting to the NHL. Now, I was unable to watch uh, Saturday afternoon's game against Pittsburgh, uh, which, you know, unfortunate I was unable to do that. I know the stream was a little bit wonky. It's fine. It, it's <laughs> trademark preseason for everyone, so it's fine. I don't – it's not – I'm not going to – get pissed about it plus it's preseason why get pissed about anything uh but the 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 trio of krebs cousins and paterka is really interesting in good and bad ways really interesting because that's three young guys with a lot of skill and a lot of ability they each do very complimentary types of things but also scary because their defensive games could all use a little bit of work. Even Cousins, who's pretty good at it, they could all use a little bit of refining. And, you know, I, I try to get an idea of how the game went by looking at uh, natural stat trick, you know, because it gives you an idea of the flow, how guys handle things, whatever. Uh, and there wasn't really so much in the way of score effects going on with that game, really. So uh, the numbers, and I, I know stuff got kind of wo- wonky because there was like some kind of power issue where stat tracking got weird so i take less than nothing away from what was listed but from what i saw it didn't look like they had that great a time trying to keep things going is that true or is that or is it you know better to watch it's accurate and i think a big piece of this is i've just you know i've noticed throughout the preseason games in particular in which jj paterka has appeared that turnovers near his own blue line by trying to do too much when he should just get the puck deep, uh, which is a a habit in his game that you can get away with that in the American league with some of the teams that you're facing. You're not going to get away with that in the NHL. So I think especially when, when they cobbled those lines together shortly before that game, that they were sort of still figuring each other out, right? It's so hard to get an evaluation of that group. That's why I think Don Granado wants to get wants to give it one week. Okay, see how these guys work together because you know that a Cousins, if you got to make a change, Cousins is going to be perfectly fine. If you know, if not in even better shape, if you have to put him with Tuck with their skating together, mm-hmm. and of course Tuck's going to create time and space for his line mates. It just, I'm really curious, Joe, Krebs and Middlestad, how those two really look at the start of the season at their respective positions. Cause we know yeah. Grotto said it, he's going to, he expects both of them to see time at center throughout the year and time at the wing. But right now, middle stats at center Krebs is on the wing. How do those, how do those really mesh together with their line mates with opportunities? Uh, I think that Krebs and cousins is one that they know each other pretty well, that they can work well together. But hey, when you got a, you know, a nine, you know, 19 year old, 20 year old kid, on their line with them. It just, it, it, there's a lot of responsibility there with the defensive mm-hmm. aspect in every other area. And I want to see JJ Paterka stop skating himself into trouble and making some yeah. of the, of course, like the mistakes that aren't going to be easy to get away with in the, in the NHL. Yeah. And something Granado said uh, after practice on Monday was that, you know, with guys like 
Middlestat and Krebs and cousins and cousins and Asplund and, and Gergensen's these guys that were playing getting turns playing both wing and center through practice is that he wants these guys to get used to doing that because that's how it's going to go. Also, that plays a part in what's also playing a part in that is that the fact they can't win any faceoffs at all. Yeah, <laughs> like every, like every nobody can win a faceoff on this team, and I, I know faceoffs don't matter. I get it, I get it. Thank you, stats community, but also you gotta win one <laughs> or two. Like you gotta win some of them to get puck control. And Don was very, very clear. It's an issue. Yeah, no, it's when they lost again, when they lost Cody Eakin, they didn't bring anybody else in to fill that void. Riley Sheehan is going to be that first guy called up or maybe he ends up being an extra forward. We don't know yet. We can get into the discussion on how how that situation is going to sort itself out. But now you got Rasmus Asplund switching back to center in that key defensive role. You know, how is he going to do in the face off circle? All these guys need to take really really big steps because you, you need possession of the puck i i disagree with the whole face off don't matter thing you know i understand the logic behind the statement but come on like we saw with this team last year you know on the games in which they were actually winning face offs that's why cody eakin was used at the start of three on three overtime he was used mm-hmm. in in key offensive zone face off situations where he would win it and get off the ice if the bench was closest to the offensive zone because yeah. you just gotta get the, the possession because once you get possession your defenseman they're going to be able to keep you in the zone, but mm-hmm. it's that's that's their tricky part of this, and that's why Joe, like you look at those lines that they have sketched out right now. Of course, good chance it's at least there's going to be a few mis, you know moving parts in the next week or so. But yeah. I still have questions just about like how young they're going to be. Like Vinny Hinnestroza right now is their 13, 14 forward. Well, like to to me, he's been among their top twelve. It's just that. Yeah, you, know, you, you can't put him in there if you got Quinn and Paterka coming in. Anders Bjork is another extra. What are they going to do with his situation? Mm-hmm. You know, just defensively, it helps them that their blue line is much, much better than it was at the start of last season. There's just, again, a lot of intrigue when it comes to how these these things are going to play out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, Don also said, if you can win faceoffs, you're going to get more ice time because you'll be the one guy who can actually win them. So it's, you know, it, it's a great carrot to dangle in front of guys, but I think a lot of face-off stuff is just kind of innate. Like you just have the ability or you don't. Uh, like your timing's good or your position, like all the stuff that goes into it, which gets overwrought. Like, give me, like I, listen, I get it. It's a tiring thing. It's a tiring thing to discuss because it's so boring. Because it's like, okay, just, you know, grab the puck, just win it, stupid. Just do that. Like, it's not it's not always that way it's there's gamesmanship and there's all sorts of nonsense that goes on with it but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of strategy and you saw you saw after every practice last season cody eakin working with all those young guys this is one of the growing pains one of the more significant ones you're going to see when you have a young team particularly down the middle even the the most elite centermen we've seen over the years have struggled in the face-off dot at the start of their career, Sidney Crosby included. Jack Eichel wasn't great at faceoffs when he first arrived. It's yeah. it's a part of your game that has to evolve as you get as you get bigger, stronger. You watch video on centers across the league, and even though Tage Thompson is 24 years old, he just started playing center in the NHL a year ago. So yeah. it's going to take time for even him to learn the nuances of winning those draws. But man, yeah, you got to win them. That, that's yeah. the game can be tilted with a key face off in certain situations. And if you got nobody you can really turn to that can create some challenges for the coaching staff. That's why I was, 
a little surprised just based on recent experience at Rasmus Aspel and Joe is the one who's seems to be at the front of the line to be the fourth line center, just given that, I mean, Zemkis played some center last year, bigger, stronger guy, been, been in the league a while, and they're they're going to give Asplin that that opportunity probably just based on playmaking, right? The passing. Yeah. It. Well, yeah, it's that and the fact that he's embraced being a defensive type forward too. Yeah. I, think there's, I think there's a little bit of that that goes into it as well. It's just it, – I keep, you mentioned Jack not being able to really be great at winning faceoffs. He improved over it over years, but the number of number of draws he got tossed out of was was always sky high. Like it was one, every one every third faceoff he was getting kicked out of the circle for who knows what reasons. Like just looked at the referee, looked at the linesman funny, said you know carved up somebody in the circle. I can get out of here, just beat it. And, the Eichel eye roll. Oh yeah, the eye roll, the the mini tantrum, the. the <laughs> skating over to the wing, swapping places and just, you know, bitching the whole way like that, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Now I, I it's, I asked yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it feels weird to de- dedicate a, a few minutes to face offs before the season even starts. It feels really weird to do that, but you go through the numbers of these games and man, they, they just don't win any it, it's, and, and it, it's, you're right. They don't matter, but the ones that do matter, matter a big matter in a big way like you got to win your all you got to win your your power play offensive zone draws you have to win your defensive zone draws always because you can't afford to give up you know a set play can't do any of that stuff or if you got a set play on the offensive zone can't do that unless you win it so win those neutral zone yeah, who gives a crap whatever it's, it's fine <laughs> let let those be but man oh man I, it's listen if that's the biggest challenge for this team this year cool yeah, <laughs> it won't be. It won't be the biggest challenge for him. But like that's to have that one as like a, a you know, one you put a big circle around, you know, before the season starts, I guess uh, there, there's worse problems to have. Yeah, I, I've seen Michael Pekka really work with almost every center on this this roster throughout mm-hmm. training camp just on on fate, like face offs, the nuance on it, pull, pulling guys to the side after certain situations to tell them what he saw. So they're going to have to work on it. Right. And uh, like, I am just, I'm very interested to see where the, how this, the lineup is what the lineup is, but there's also some big decisions here. Now, Casey Fitzgerald's what day to day at this point with an injury. So we'll see how long that lasts. You know, they've kept a lot of, they've kept extra guys around for this two, this preseason game Tuesday night against Carolina, because you're not going to play your whole entire roster, your NHL roster for both the final two games. It wouldn't make sense. Yeah. So get these guys another look before they go to Rochester. But then what happens, Joe? You got Anders Bjork, who is fighting to for a spot on this team. The Sabres don't have a whole lot of options. Like, I can't imagine he would get claimed on waivers. And if he goes to Rochester, he's going to be paid $1.8 million to mm-hmm. play in Rochester, which is a situation – you just don't want, and he's going to be taking ice time and opportunity away from guys down there. When they've mm-hmm. got a lot of young players that need to be on the ice, and Tyson Kozak is another one added to that list after he was officially sent down on Sunday. Well, Saturday mm-hmm. evening, sorry. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, – I, I will say, with a Fitzgerald injury, the temptation to keep eight defensemen is probably gone. True. Because, uh, I mean, if Fitzgerald is, you know, not able to start the season, then, you know, he goes on injured list and then Pilot becomes the number seven guy, probably, most likely. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. They can send him. They can send him back to Rochester without waivers. You know, if you want to keep Clegg or Prisky or Davies around, I, I guess you could do that. But um, I mean, obviously, I think Pilot's probably the guy. But 
but even still, you're looking at your last three forwards, Bjork, Shahan, Hinnestroza, then you're looking at two of those three guys stay, staying around. If you're keeping one defenseman, that is, uh, to fill out your 23. And it's like, well, doesn't Shahan automatically get the nod because he's a center and he can is capable of winning faceoffs? But then Hinnestroza, it's between Hinnestroza and Bjork, and I got to think Hinnestroza wins that battle eight times out of ten. I don't want to say nine out of ten, but eight out of ten probably is closer to right. Hinnestroza is going to be on this team. It's just a matter of is he in the lineup or not, more, more so than yeah. not. So, And I'm with you on Riley Shea and with where you're at down the middle, some uncertainty there. If you put him on waivers, you just don't know. He hasn't really – what, I think he's played in one preseason game. Mm-hmm. It might be hiding him a little bit, so he doesn't get claimed on waivers by a team that needs a, a fourth-line center, right? Because yeah. he's, he's mm-hmm. going to have to require waivers. I could easily see him making the team as, as well as Hinnestroza, and then it's just – Anders Bjork, you know, it's 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 interesting to see his his the way that his career is tracked, especially since the trade. Things just haven't worked out in Buffalo so far. Um, mm-hmm. Haven't seen much from him in, in preseason, but of course it's, it's it's preseason games. You already mentioned all the flaws involved there, so right. Yeah, that that decision is one. I'm just very fascinated to see what they do and and how it all comes together. In the end, I just see them sending Shea and down to Rochester and, and keeping mm-hmm. Bjork because just, I just can't imagine them wanting to pay Bjork $1.8 million down there and to yeah. take the ice time and opportunity away. Whereas Shea and having that set, that reliable center, especially Sean Malone misses little time at the start of the season, which doesn't look mm-hmm. like he will, but you never know. Right. You know, Shea would be really valuable to have down there in terms of leadership and being able to win face-offs and, yeah. and being able to impart some wisdom on some of those young guys. Now, now, I, I, I've had this in the back of my mind ever since seeing it happen uh, one of the days during practice, but Darlene kind of giving it to Bjork during one of those practices, basically trying to light a fire under him and be like, hey, man, like, get your act together here. Like, let's let's see some of that fire. Let's see you go at me. Like, kind of being, you know, Darlene being the big dog in the yard, being like, all right, man, like, you going to play or what? Like, do Now, of course, we're reading into it. Because, you know, we don't know what, A, we don't know what's being said. We don't know how, you know, what, you know, what the reasons are, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe Bjork stole his lunch or something. I don't know. We, we don't know. But like, you, seeing Darlene kind of get a guy's face like that, not a normal occurrence. And, you know, granted, he's a different kind of guy now. Uh, and we've certainly seen him do that to opponents over the years, getting in their face, being, a, you know, being obnoxious and stirring things up but to a teammate during a you know during practice it's a little different the fact that it was bjork makes me wonder that maybe there's a lot that they're just not seeing from him that the, that they're unhappy with and that Darlene sees it and he's just kind of like hey man listen you want to stick around friggin play let's go now I, again this is me reading into a lot of you know what's going on on the ice and it hasn't happened you know none of that stuff's happened since but it sticks out in your mind when it comes down to like these, these kinds of discussions where it's like, geez, is does this guy even have it to make it? You know, like it, it, it just sticks out in my brain. And I, you know, and I don't know if that means I'm just, you know, have a hankering for drama or what, but it's, it, it's something that just stands out for me where I'm just kind of like, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's got it or not. Yeah. I mean, just based on, we saw throughout training camp, the, the guys who are now in Rochester, how they, they stood out and showed that they were fighting to make the team and that they really made a strong impression. Line, you know, Linus Weisbach, Brett Murray, and 
Brandon Byro. Those are three right there who would be at the top of my list of recalls when something happens. Plus, you got Lucas Rusak, who or Lukash Rusak. Lukash. Seth Abbott would scold yes. me for that one. But <laughs> with Rusak, he's eventually going to be ready. I think he just needs games down there. So where does Anders Bjork fit in? Not only right now, but a few months from now, as those players mm-hmm. gain more experience. I just think that he came in. I know Bjork was determined to make this team and especially with all the young guys on it. He thought that, you know, the experience, but I just, I think it would be probably, it would be best for both sides if they found another, if they found a different team for him to go play for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just that I don't know how they're going to go about doing that. Given the cap hit, I don't see yeah. anyone claiming him at, with that number, just based on recent right. production, unless somebody with a prior connection to him who thinks really highly of his game and thinks that there's a lot of untapped potential there. Or you you know you, you work out a trade, which again I just I just don't know how that's all going to come together. But right now it just seems like he's destined to be a mainstay in the press box until an injury, and then when he goes in, it's like oh, that's got to be the lot. That's got to be it. That's almost your last opportunity right. with this organization, just based on where it's at. Yeah, it's it's tough because he's he's a very yeah. likable guy. I mean, it's you know he's he's a guy who's had to scrap a lot to, to kind of get established and really yeah. kind of show himself, especially in Boston. I mean, cracking the Boston lineup, you know, just a few years ago, I mean, it's tough. It's, it's a hard group to get through. And it's not to say that the Sabres group is easy to get through. Like, you know, when he, when he got moved here, that was a different, you know, that was, that's, you know, it's a different lineup than it, than it is now, but, um, but it's not the kind of thing where you can kind of take it for granted. And again, I'm not saying he's taking anything for granted. I'm not doing that stuff. Like I'm not going to create drama where there is no drama, but the way it looks right now, it, sure, it certainly looks like he's not part of their top 12 and he might not even be part of the final 23. And that's that's a problem for a guy making that kind of money who has the expectations where you're going into the camp thinking like, well, third and fourth line, he's got to be one of those guys. And right now he's not. I think he's part of the final 23 just based on unless the only thing, the only the only wrinkle here that could change that is if they have to keep eight defensemen, which they'll have to if. Casey Fitzgerald has an injury that impacts him starting the season, but not enough to where he has to go on IR, right? Like that's because then the numbers aren't on your side and you're going to have to move another player to be able to keep eight defensemen. So Mm -hmm. the defenseman part of this is really interesting. Uh, Joe, I, I saw some, some fans a little surprised to see that Bryson is where he is, but I think Bryson deserves to be where he is, you know, Mm -hmm. next to Labushkin. I think that's a very interesting pairing and, Mm-hmm. I would roll with that six and, and see where it takes you. No, no need to really change powers defense partner quite yet. See how they can build on the last couple weeks of last season and, and see where yeah. Yoki Haru takes his game. If And if you need to make a change, you got Labushkin who can go play with power. You, you can move mm-hmm. things around to the point where they finally have options, not only with the guys that I mentioned, but like Casey Fitzgerald's going to get games. Like he's oh, yeah. he's going to get games in that lineup. And then you got Lawrence Pilot, and they've got other guys on two way contracts, Chase Prisky in particular, that I think have really impressed in camp so far. Yeah, it's it, it it's surprising to have the only questions about the defense being you know who you know who gets in that top six spot because I to me the left side set you know well Samuelson Dalene obviously set yes. Power obviously set. But people are a little bit surprised by Bryson. And I do wonder if part of that is because of, you know, everybody knowing and liking Lawrence Pilot quite a bit. If that's, a you know, if that plays into that where it's like, oh, well, he's back. It's got to be his spot, right? Well, I mean, no, it doesn't. 
doesn't guarantee anything, but, um, but I mean, Bryson's really played, I mean, he's played very well. Uh, they obviously paid him a pretty nice deal to, to keep him, uh, to keep him in, in the full, I mean, obviously RFA. So, you know, the, you know, team's got the power there, but like, they still gave him a nice deal to stick and they, they love him. You know, they love him. They love the smarts. They love his ability to move the puck and they love that he, he minimizes mistakes. So, uh, so, I mean, I get it, but you know, to me, the, the only, I don't know. And again, this might be just me nitpicking, but man, I, I, and maybe zeroing in more because it's, he's playing with with power, but Yoki Hari, I mean, man, like maybe it's the early season yips he's picked up from, from maybe picked it up from Darlene because a couple of the games I've watched, I'm just like, Oh man, get this out of your system now because you can't be playing like this the first couple of months. You'll end up, you'll end up sitting out more often than not. Yeah. I mean, the, the freelancing that he does works with Darlene because yeah. Darlene, I think Darlene knows how to read him and Darlene can cover yeah. a lot of, he can cover a lot of ice. He's, he's almost like a safety. When you're playing with a rookie defenseman, like Owen Power, no matter how talented he is, you got to have some predictability to your game. And yeah. <laughs> Yoki Aryu sometimes can, can uh, wing it a little bit there, but no, like Bryson, it's all about consistency. This is a good, this is a great opportunity for him playing with somebody like Labushkin. That's just going to have some stability to, on the right side to allow him to play his game. Cause there were times last year, I think back to earlier in the season when the Sabres played Toronto and Edmonton, where like Bryson made some really, really impressive plays to stifle Matthews and McDavid. It's just like yeah. throughout the season, especially as a young, a young D with not only that age, but the size, right? He's learning to kill plays in a very smart way that doesn't take him out of position. So he's a guy that, yeah, I would let him run with it and see where he takes it. But the, you know, the Sabres are in a spot now where they're going to have options, right? Whether yeah. it be Fitzgerald pilots, the interesting one, right? I think that we need to address the fact that a lot of people thought he was going to have to require waivers because it's the second contract and he's had the yeah. NHL service time, but he doesn't yet, you know. If he yeah. he will, if he starts the season and gets what six games, I believe it is, Joe. Yeah, and, it's five and or then, six games. Yeah, yeah, and then he's gonna have to require waivers. So that also kind of might play into their decision where well, we'll send him down now, and then we'll bring him up when we really need him, and maybe keep somebody like Chris who's gonna require waivers no matter what. So there's a lot of just interesting layers there when it comes to the roster decisions. But for the most part, yeah, we we know what this is, and like I know that it because they played together last year, it hasn't been a big topic of conversation, but I really want to see Darlene and Samuelson handle that top pairing role and see how Darlene does on his off offhand side in a more full-time capacity, at least. At yeah. Yeah. That's I'm, I'm very interested to see how it works just because I mean, geez, I remember a couple of years ago writing a piece about how he worked on the right side. Cause there was, there were situations that, that Ralph Kruger would put him into where he would start on the right side. Usually it was offensive zone draws, um, right circle draws. He would put him on the right side so that if you win the puck back to him, he can take it off the wall and scoot out to center ice. Now, I mean, he's not a one-timer guy, so it's not like win, you know, win the face off out to him and then get ready to bomb away. Like that's, I mean, that's not his game, but, but from the right side, he was always really good, especially looking back on his, his, you know, his SHL highlights, I mean, it's highlights. So you're seeing the best of the best, but he always looked very comfortable on the right side. And he always seemed to be a lot more offensively aggressive and creative from the right side as well. So the fact that they're leaning more into that and, and kind of playing to that ability, it a is not surprising given what we know about Don Granado. You know, he sees a strength and he's like, Hey, let's try that. That seems like a good idea. Instead of being like, no, 
guy, we want you to do this thing. That's what you should do all the time, Ralph. But I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, but it, it's, it's fun to see that, that they want to do that just because it's like, okay, let's, we know he can do it. Let's see if he can do it at this level and, and, and kind of run with it where, uh, you know, you don't, you know, defense is an area where even the most conservative coaches, I mean, all coaches are pretty conservative. They're, they're not going to try to deviate away from what is, you know, kind of set in stone and be like, no, this is, this is the way things work this way. We want it to work. And, you know, they, I don't know, just kind of pressing into things and, and leaning and saying like, Hey, this guy's done this in the past. Let's see if he can do it here. Yeah. It's, it's it certainly helps that you have somebody to play the left side. Who's as reliable and athletic as Matias Samuelson. So if you get, in, if you, if you get in a tough spot where Darlene's caught up ice, they trust Samuelson that he can make up ground quickly. He's got the reach. He could shut down the rush. He's just a perfect D partner for the Sabres to use to complement Darlene in that situation. And mm-hmm. they, they switch sides depending on where they're at on the ice. Darlene goes to the left side in the D zone. Matias can handle the right because he's comfortable yeah. doing it there. So there's a really good understanding between those two on how they want to play together at five on five. And, you know, I know that as soon as Rasmus Dahlin, I just, I can predict it. As soon as Dahlin makes one mistake in the first couple weeks of the season, or maybe there's like a bad game, people are right. going to jump down his throat and say he's off to another slow start again. But Joe, I mean, in this training camp, compared to every other one that Dahlin has been in, he is a far different player to where mm-hmm. I just don't, like, I just don't think that's going to happen. They finally have stability in the coaching staff. And Look at all the talent that he has around him on the blue line to where like, okay, if this doesn't work with Samuelson, where they have to, they feel like there's going to have to be a change there. Well, you mm-hmm. could just move Rasmus Dahlin back to the left side. He's with Ilya Labushkin. Like, right. you know, like there's, they can, they've got pieces to where they can move things around. And I even like when it comes in terms of the two way guys, I think the hierarchy there in terms of the best ones are pilot and Prisky. And then I put Clegg and, and Davies below them. Although admittedly, I just haven't been able to see enough of them, um, mm-hmm. in game situations to make a good read, but they just got options to where now you're not going to have to call up Ethan proud to come play his offside. If you're in, an, yeah. in a, a bad situation, injury wise. Yeah. It's uh, that's certainly nice to do. And I'm sure those guys appreciate it. Like, Hey, it's cool. You call me up, but like the other side, I don't play yeah. that side. I it was can't, can't go great. Right. No, it does not go great. It was totally unfair to put Ethan Prowl in that position because when he did get to play his normal side, he was fine in his NHL yeah. debut. Even got the score goal. So right, exactly. Like it's you know those are things you like to see. Putting him on the wrong, putting on his opposite side where he, he's not accustomed or very good at. No, not great. That was that was easily one of the worst periods of hockey I've seen from a player. Yeah. And it was it was I felt for him because that was just but it was. It was like a race. It was like a racetrack down that side of the ice for the forwards, and they they knew exactly what they were. Of course, they know what they're doing. They have the scouted out. They're like, oh, that guy never plays that side. Cool, let's go there. He's like, what? Their number eight defenseman, nine defense. Yeah, cool. Let's let's just give that a shot. Let's see how that works. And oh, geez, it worked. Crazy. Uh, but it's nice that they won't have to really worry about. I mean, you know, knock on wood, of course, but they won't have to really sweat having to do that stuff unless things, you know, become catastrophic, which. We're not going to say it can't happen because it can, because we watched it happen many times before. So let, let's, we're not hexing anything. We're not jinxing anything. It's just when you, when you live in a jinx, it's, that's the way it can be sometimes, but this is different. This is different. It's a different group, man. It's a totally different group, but it, I don't know. I, 
I, I'm in the spot where I, I'm just very appreciative of Don Granato saying like, yeah, no, you guys kind of figured out what the lineup was already. Like, you know what it is. This is, you know, this, this is just what it is. I'm not going to toy around and be like, well, I don't know. Some of these guys might, might could surprise, steal the spot. He's like, no, 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 no. You guys understand. You, everybody knows what's going on here. I think when you have a young team, you can do that because you know that they're like they're going to be scratching and clawing no matter what, right? Like you have all mm-hmm. these young guys that are just trying to fight for ice time and opportunity to where it's not like you need to dangle the carrot of, oh, who's going to make the team? Like, yeah, nah, I think it was very clear to everybody involved this summer that Quinn and Paterka were going to be on this team. You look at what, what they did with all the signings to put guys in Rochester, everything that was said by management, like – it is what it is. Those lines are going to change. You know, it's it's fun to look at them now. I think that whether it be this week or next, like or the week after that, it's going to be different. Um, it just, you know, it's I'm sure that there's a few frustra- guys who are pretty frustrated who went down to Rochester just knowing they gave it everything they had and it, it still mm-hmm. didn't matter. But um, I think Weisbach really gained the most out of camp over the first couple of weeks, including the prospect mm-hmm. challenge. He you got to hand you got to give him a lot of credit too, right? Like right at the start of prospects challenge, he told all he told all the media like I my goal is to show that I'm ready for the NHL. Like mm-hmm. I'm not just a guy that's going to be in Rochester all year. And hey, kudos to him. Like he got yeah. he generated a lot of scoring chances. Had you know hit a post on a breakaway, missed that a couple of times in some some great A's. But like he you know, he was a spark every time he was in the lineup. He's a guy that I think opened a lot of eyes. Not only you know, among the fan base, I'm sure management's like, wow, like that, you know, he's a much different player now than he was in camp a year ago, or even when he was in Rochester last season, he just looks like a guy who's ready to, to really find a role in this team. And yeah, of course it's going to probably be in the bottom six, but Hey, you need guys like that on your team who can really help you on both sides of the ice, which he can. Yeah. And he was a guy that did not shy away from being put on a line with Thompson. What was it Thompson and Skinner? Yeah. And Henestrosa. Like that could be very intimidating for, anybody who's you know not being counted on to be in the nhl right now uh you know for somebody that's that's still i mean he's still pretty young i mean i know he's like the oldest of the prospects whatever it's fine but i mean you know has doesn't have an nhl game yet and gets put into that spot for a preseason game and it's like oh man a lot of guys would wilt at that opportunity or play out beyond their means to try to impress and he didn't do that he was he, he's not the you know he's not the flash and dash that you're going to get from an Alex Tuck or a Vert Olsen, but like he played within him within himself and played the kind of hockey that he's been playing, you know, through the prospects challenge and and throughout where he just makes the smart play, you know, knows where he's supposed to be on the ice and does the right things and he can make some plays too. Which listen, I mean, you're, you're not expecting the guy to jump in there and score you know score three goals automatically, but. Um, but for a guy to play that well in, in a, you know, again, preseason game, you know, take it with a grain of salt that you want to, but, um, but for a guy to not, you know, kind of, you know, lose his mind playing that play, given, you know, getting that kind of opportunity it's, you, that you really do like to see that. Matt Savoy was also among the players sent well, he was assigned to the Winnipeg Ice, the Western Hockey League on Saturday after that game. Not a surprise. We all knew this was coming. Joe we don't need to rehash why he was sent down. I think that's pretty, that's self-explanatory, but the Sabres have to feel pretty good that not only is he, did he come back to camp healthy after he missed the, the development camp, but he showed exactly what they wanted to see, which is what Dylan cousins did back in 2019, right? That he is a very talented player at 18 years old 
who's going to help them at some point down the road. It's just not going to be this season. It's going to be next. He's going to use this year to to gain strength, really dominate against his peers, or, or you know mm-hmm. try to at least replicate or even trump what he did last year and go try to win gold at World Juniors. There's just a lot of uh, development that's going to be done there on his end of things. And it's a perfect opportunity. You know, they don't have to rush him. And that's, I think, right. every organization, that's what you want. If he's ready, he's ready. But it became it's pretty. It, was, it became clear that he needs more time, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's. I think that's part of for the fan base. I think that's part of getting over how things used to be. Yeah, that's a great it's, way to put it. Yeah, it, like because a guy taken in that position who shows that much <laughs> in their first camp, you're thinking, oh, well, he's in the top six already. Let's get him in there. Let's let's have him sort through it. Uh, and he'll, you know, by the middle of the season, we'll see like what he's made of and, you know, he'll go from there. You don't have to do that stuff now, which is, a, which is the best spot to be in. You don't want to have to force a guy into the NHL thinking like, well, he'd probably be better off going back. But like, man, we really need him here. He'd be really helpful because he's better than these other guys that we've got sitting around. So let's just do it. And that's how you end up spinning your wheels for years and years and years. So it's, it's a night, it's an, it's a, it's not even a problem. It's a good thing to have period to, ju- to just be able to, to give the guy a proper way to grow his game and get better. Like it's, it's, it sounds crazy, but like there's a lot of psychological damage from the fan base from the past years that I think everybody's going to have to learn to adjust from. And teams rarely give a junior player those nine games. We just don't see it as often as in part of that's the salary cap. The rosters are pretty much already set. And that's certainly the case here. They like, we just went over over the past, you know, 25 to 30 minutes. Like they just had that number set and could Matt Savoy play in the NHL this season, score some goals and help in certain ways. Absolutely. But an 82 game season with travel, like, Honestly, that can do more harm than good. We've seen how young players react when their development is rushed and they're just brought to the NHL too quickly and thrown into the top six. And, eh, figure it out, kid. No, yeah. that is not, especially a young centerman, that doesn't work. It doesn't. I think that he gained really important experience during his time in training camp. He stuck around longer than a lot of junior players around the league. And hey, go back to Winnipeg, use what you learned and come back a year and, and make the team that, right? And there's yeah. going to be a lot of competition for him to make the team a year from now, which again, Joe, great spot to be in. <laughs> right. Like that's that's the thing. Like you, we're certainly not wishing away this season because that's crazy. We're not we're not going to do that. But I mean, you start looking ahead at next year and how things could shake loose and you start putting together what what lines could or couldn't be or how the lineup might look. There's a plenty of opportunity to be had next year. If you want to move, you know, if there's guys you want to move on from, or, you know, guys are going to graduate up or or whatever, whatever the case, but there's going to be plenty of opportunity next year for guys like him, Kulik, you know, all these other guys down and, you know, that are going to be in, in Rochester for probably the majority of the year, tons of opportunity. Like you don't, you don't have to press a guy in now to say, you know, to give them a taste and be like, all right, come back hungry. Like, no, they're, they're gonna regardless. And, and know that there's going to be that opportunity is going to be there. It's not like this, this lineup is blocked out for the next two to three seasons. It's not, it's very far from that. No. And Hey, with the situation this team was in just 
that we knew what the team was going to be. We knew what the roster was going to be generally, right? Barring injury at the start of camp, we could have sketched it out for you. But still, there were a lot of guys like Weisbach, you know, Byro, who even though their their short-term future was already decided for them, like you're going to be in Rochester. Like it's too difficult for you to make this team. They still performed really well, which I think speaks a lot to just sort of the players they have in the organization right now, Joe. And and one of those is Zuko Pekalukinen, right? Mm-hmm. Like it had to have stung when he saw that Eric Comrie signing in July. Mm-hmm. You know, even though Craig Anderson was under contract, and I'm sure he had a great, good idea that, well, since they signed Craig, they're going to bring another NHL goalie and I'll be going back to Rochester. But that reality when Comrie signed had to have been a really tough pill for him to swallow. We saw that Kevin Adams called him. And I just like the way that UPL's handled it. He cut weight. He cut weight in the offseason. He just looks like a, a stronger goalie in his crease. Looks like he worked on some technique stuff. What, exactly how you wanted him to respond, he has made. Well, I think he stopped 32 or 33 shots on Saturday. He's the Sabres' best player. Of course, he's going to end up at, back in Rochester sometime in the next week, barring an injury, to be the starter there and have Malcolm Subban as, as the guy he has as his goalie partner. It's just, I just think that. Management, coaching staff, and fans have to feel a lot better about the goalie picture for this season. Based on that alone, I mean, Comrie, look at it, it's Columbus too, right? But yeah. to have UPL show up and have a good camp is far better than the alternative, which we saw a year ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is this is exactly what you wanted to see from him in the spot. Like yeah. If he came back through and had another, you know, eight, 880, 870, what, I mean, it was bad last year. It might have been even worse than that. Um, you know, performance and goal, then you're like, geez, well, you know, what are they going to do? You know, they're, they're stuck. You know, you're, you're looking at, then, cause, cause then you're looking at like, geez, how many games is, is Malcolm Subban going to need to start there so that the team can, the team can have a little bit more success and goal. Lukanen's been, he looks in such, you, you mentioned how much better shape he's in The conditioning he's, he's gone through is, is so much better. And I talked with him a little bit today and, you know, I, I, I asked him, I go, is it, you know, was it nice to finally have like a kind of normal summer to work out because he's, you know, it's COVID injuries, all sorts of stuff. Now, granted, he had an injury that, you know, ended up finishing off his season last year. And he said that if they played, if they had another game to play, he was playing that next one in the playoffs. Yeah. Like he was ready to go. He was going to play. Cause I, you know, cause I, cause I asked him, I go, was that just, you know, BS or what? He goes, he goes, no, I was, I was playing. And I was like, oh my God. Like I, I heard the same. Is, everything yeah. was just like, oh my God, come on, man. Like that's just, it just sucks for the guy. Cause everything's just been bad luck. You know, it's black cats crossing his path, you know, breaking mirrors, the whole thing, walking under ladders, the whole, everything that could go wrong is gone wrong. It's Murphy's law, except it's UPL's law now. But, um, but I, I to me, I, I don't know. I, I see a guy who's going to have a, who's going to have a really strong season. And if he doesn't, then that's that's probably all she wrote, honestly, because all the opportunities there and the way that the Rochester lineup's going to be set up, man, the excuses are going to be pretty minimal. Like he's going to have a better defense in front of him. He's going to have a better team in front of him. Um, so I, if he doesn't have a if he doesn't have a really big season down there, man, I I I feel bad if that happens. But I'll keep it positive and say that yeah, he's going to have a great season down there, and he'll be pushing the guys. He'll be pushing Comrie and Anderson to those guys from behind. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that this is the year where he shows that no more of the injury stuff, like he's ready. 
And I would just err on the side of caution on like, I'm not going to evaluate him based on save percentage and goals against average and just raw production early on. Cause that team, even with that really much better back end, I think mm-hmm. things are going to be a little chaotic defensively with just how many young guys they have up yeah. front. Mm-hmm. But I think with him, it's all going to be about how do you respond to adversity, right? Because I think that you saw it in his play when he went back down to Rochester last season when he when he was healthy, mm-hmm. and it had to have burned, right? He, he was yeah. in the NHL. He proved, like, I can help you win games up there, and regardless of helping them win games, he got sent back down, which at a player at his age, that stage of his development, like, I can't imagine how frustrating that would be. And mm-hmm. I think it was pretty clear that it led to some of the inconsistent we, in, inconsistencies that we saw from him. So once he does eventually go down to Rochester, and if there's a difficult night, a, a difficult couple of nights, how is he going to mm-hmm. bounce back from that? He's done it extremely yeah. well before he turned pro. We saw his first time at World Juniors. He struggled. He wasn't very good. He came back the next year, and he won gold. Like, yep. you know, and then, then he wins OHL MVP and all the other awards. So he's a guy who's been resilient in the past and the Sabres more so than that. Like they need him to be the answer, you know, along their plan right now is UPL and Eric Comrie as your full-time tandem for 2022 or 2023, 2024. Right. So yep. it's, it's time to perform and Hey, like he's just looked athletic and like the whole cutting weight thing and getting in shape is something we've seen from goalies for years to where like it takes them longer because they're growing like you got to manage workloads and what you can actually do off the ice to not burn yourself out physically or or suffer injury like like Linus Allmark had the same thing where it took him time to show up and be like a guy who's in like good enough shape to be your starter Mm -hmm. like full time in the NHL with the schedule being what it is so UPL I think that Right now, yeah, he's at least going to make it – when they do make that decision to send him down, he's at least going to make them think, well, hey, like we did the right thing here, which I think is a good place to be in. Yeah, it was It was very – I don't know. It, it was very odd seeing last year that a lot of the way – a lot of the way the teams in Sudbury played in front of them was a lot how Rochester played in front of them last year, which is probably not exactly what you want to have out of your AHL squad, where it's like, wow, hey, geez, he's used to it being this kind of busy in front of him. But wait, no, that that shouldn't happen. That's that's bad. But it's uh, but yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see what happens with him because let's face it, you got you know Devin Devin Levy's coming. Like it's you know he he just played his first game this weekend for Northeastern and uh, he overtime win for you know for everybody that's wondering um against long island university so don't get too hype it's it's fine but uh but we know he's coming most likely i mean (laughs) we don't want to we don't want to have him penciled into the lineup yet but like we know he's there kind of as the boogeyman you know behind waiting and uh it would be it could be very tough to 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 try to focus on your own game knowing that somewhere you know over your shoulder no matter how far in the distance there's somebody you know, that maybe the organization's a little bit higher on waiting to take your job. And it's like, no, man, uh, this is this is time for me to take this job. I think that's what was why it was so important that I know it's it's a phone conversation showing on a behind the scenes video with Kevin Adams giving UPL a ring after that signing. But I think it was really important for them to just to know that, like, they trust him, that there's still faith in him as a goalie, because I'm sure like everybody sees the Devin Levi stuff. Like it's been all over social media. Everybody talks about the kid, but at the end of the day, like who knows when he's going to arrive. UPL's here now. He's on the cusp of the NHL. Like you got to respond the right way and not worry about a kid that 
might show up in the spring. Like, yeah. you know, like you just got to handle right. it the right way. And I think now at the age that he's at, all the experience UPL's at, because he's gone through a ton of adversity, you know, these last three plus years at this point that I think he'll be fine. It's just like I can't wait to see Rochester this season and how that all comes together with all those young players. You know, they're running it like the U.S. development program in a lot of ways with all those young guys, which is great. Like we were talking in April and May, we're just speculating about how there weren't going to be any prospects over there. And then look what Kevin Adams and Jason Carmelinus did to us, Joe. Yeah. It's like fools. That's right. We. That means people were right about us. Damn it. I hate when that happens. <laughs> it's by the way, I keep saying Devin Levy uh, because I'm being a, kind of a pain in the ass about that. So I'm just until, until I get very much corrected by, by, by Chris with Sabres PR, I'd be like, no man, say it the right way. So I'm just keep pushing that button. He got you on Portillo before. We'll right. See, I've, see if I've he re- changed. See I, if he I, reels I, one of us in, in the coming weeks. <laughs> I, I'll just say I've heard it said the other way, not by people in the team. So Chris can relax with that if he's listening. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure he'll listen in, but it's people not involved with the team that have been saying it the way I've been saying it. So I'm just going to. It's all right. Hey, it, listen, we were still calling him Isaac Rosen for, <laughs> for, for days and days. And we thankfully got it. Correct. People were saying Connor Sherry's last name wrong for like several oh years. <laughs> yeah. And so finally he, he won two Stanley Cups and then finally told the media in Pittsburgh, oh, yeah, by the way, <laughs> you've been saying my last name wrong. <laughs> but that one and uh, what was it? Nicholas Grossman telling everybody, he's like, you guys have been spelling my name wrong for a while now. There's two N's. Really, everybody's like, what? What do you mean there's two N's? <laughs> yeah, man, that's how it's spelled. Like, thanks for the heads up, Nick. That was, that was very helpful. But, yeah, no, so I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm not trolling. I'm just, you know. I'm saying it until I'm told not to say it that way anymore. Um, it's yeah. I don't know, man. Like, this it feels weird that it's like this isn't very this isn't a very dramatic training camp, which I think is nice. It, it's just kind of everything's kind of gone the way it's gone, and now it's you know you know right on it now because I mean yeah we're still what, ten well two like a week and a half two weeks from games and. We're just kind of like, yeah, no, they're playing out the string here in preseason. We know who's staying. We know who's probably going. And uh, let's just get to it already, which is, you know, I, I, I'm i going to guess that's a nice spot for, for the coaching staff to be in to just kind of know that, you know, they know what they're running with. Yeah, and I assume over this, over this next week, I mean, Tuesday night, I expect it to be a little bit of a blend of a roster with some more Rochester guys, two-way contract guys. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, this last week, I would imagine it's just – it's getting everybody ready for the pace of an NHL season and uh, just got to stay healthy at this point. You know what your roster is going to be, but you got to get through these two games clean. And for the goalies, I think it's really a big one for the goalies, Comrie and Anderson. Yeah. I suspect that we're going to see Anderson on opening night, regardless of production. I think that he's just sort of earned that, you know, that, that yeah. tip of the hat. He gets game one, Comrie game two, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm not going to over, I'm not going to overanalyze these games. I think, especially for the reason you stated, we know what the lineup and we know what the team is going to be. So at this point, it's just kind of waiting to see how these pieces all fall together and how the experiment, the experimenting with the lines really shapes out over here in the next couple of days. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I, I'm curious to see if, I assume Anderson's going to get one of these last two games, but if he doesn't want one, does he, I don't know. Does he need, one? does he need one? Honestly, I think, like he's, he's probably, I think he's, 
he's old enough now to just be like, if he needs a game, they're like, yeah, okay, we'll give you one. If he doesn't, then they're like, yeah, whatever, just get ready for the season. It's fine. This, this, the schedule's not great for goalies because, no. like, Anderson's going to go a while between playing games. He's not going to play both. I would imagine if he's getting opening night, he'll want to go uh, want to go in Pittsburgh. Right. So I would, I would think so to be closer to game one. And then Comrie has a longer layoff. So I, I really want to see how they handle this. Maybe Comrie and Anderson both get half a game apiece and they should switch on who starts the one or the other. I don't know. I think a lot of times, you know, I remember Anderson last year communicated to the coaching staff, like, here's how I kind of want to handle the games to get ready for the year. I know how I have to get ready for it. I imagine that they'll have a similar conversation this time around. It's just the big question is, does UPL get in on Tuesday? Just with him still yeah. being with the team, Malcolm Subban officially assigned to Rochester, so they're down to three goalies. Yeah, I, I mean, again, but like we know who's going where. Yeah, <laughs> that's like that's the whole thing, and I, I maybe now because uh, Rochester's training camp schedule is all squared away now, so maybe maybe you just have uh, UPL hang out, watch how they play, and then be like, all right, man, off to you know off to Rochester, the, you know the Wednesday and. You know, if we see, you know, if we see it back this year, then we're ready for you. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I think with just so few games and given that the, the season starts what next Thursday, Friday, what is it next? Thursday. Thursday. 13th. Yeah. 13th. Lucky, lucky number to start the year on. That's great. Um, uh, I gotta, I gotta think there's, I gotta think that there's not really any way you, you play Lucan and, Tuesday, certainly not Friday. I think he'll back up. I think he yeah. backs up Tuesday. The, the only question is, is the, the goalie who starts get the whole game. So I, I think that that's yeah. just all going to be that's all going to be preference at that point. So yeah, you almost have yeah. to split them Friday, right? You have to split Comrie Anderson Friday, right? Probably based on the schedule, I would. Yeah, right. I mean, you can't have one guy go that long between getting some some work in and then right. that's then that setting so you can't have let's say Comrie on Tuesday and then not play again until the following Saturday maybe yeah. so yeah nope <laughs> nope you can't no you can't do that this last like they kept all these two-way guys around particular you know the guys who are gonna go on waivers because mm. you got to make sure you don't have any injuries you don't want to risk losing somebody on waivers and then so get them in a game on Tuesday some of them and then hey I guess cross your, they'll cross their fingers to hope they don't get claimed, and then that's that. Yeah, I, I, I almost wish uh, we could talk to Kevin Adams to get his idea of like what's the best day to, to send guys on waivers. It has to be the day before you set your final roster, doesn't it? Yeah, that has to be the best day to because do it. you'll have a bulk of guys go on, and that then decisions have to be made on teams like, you know, well, it was Ottawa on mm-hmm. Monday that claimed a goalie, Magnus Helberg, because Cam Dalbit's yeah. out five to seven weeks. So, Oof. yeah, like it's – and again, like that could have been Malcolm Subban. Like, it, you know, you could have lost him yeah. to, to Ottawa. So it's it's a tricky situation. Like, But the Sabres are in a good spot where they don't have to go out and claim somebody to address a glaring need like they did last year when they got yeah. Axel Johnson Fowlby and he – Axel Johnson Fowlby. Yeah. fantastic hair. Yeah. Didn't even get a game in. Practiced a couple of times, and off he went. So it was a, yep. right it was an era. This. Yeah, it was an era that uh, will never be forgotten. Yeah, <laughs> much like the Yaroslav Halak era. Oh, that what a what a glorious day that was. Yeah, the Yaroslav Halak era. Hey, listen, <laughs> he dressed for one game, which 
it's kind of sad he didn't get to get into that game that yeah. he just but hey there's i know at least one person that has a yarrow halak sabers jersey i know i know one person that does it's before, not me before it's we not me. before we go joe i was curious is there a certain jersey, whether it be which whichever? Okay, if you're at a Sabres game in the press box mm-hmm. and you're scanning the crowd, yeah, what jersey, whether it be like you could tell me era, player, what impresses you? Okay, mm-hmm. like that's a great jersey. We see really good ones in Rochester. I have to give a, yeah. a major tip of the hat to Rochester fans because they have like there are some very impressive jerseys worn at those mm-hmm. games. Uh, I, I think it's better in Rochester because the uh, the game issued, game used yeah. ones are more readily available. So yeah. you get a huge cross section of guys because let's face it, the big you know the soup you know, the guys that are the big star players there, those jerseys get snatched up really fast. It's yeah. the guys that are like the depth players there that like maybe you watched them in college, maybe you saw them in juniors, maybe you know maybe they got a really short cup of coffee in the NHL and you're like, oh man, that guy, holy crap. Like that kind of stuff is great. You don't always see it in the NHL just because it's, you know, it's tougher to do that. It costs more to get jerseys, that, like especially nowadays. Stuff is stupid expensive. But the rarer the player, I don't really care about era. Like it, it, okay. it era doesn't, you know, if it's older, obviously I appreciate it because I'm older. So like whatever. But, um, but if I see some rando player that like you never usually see a jersey of, that's what makes me pop off. I'm just like, oh my god, that you got one of that guy! Holy crap! But I will say, if I ever see somebody in the crowd with a with the with the red butter knives Steve Hines '57 jersey, I will. Oh, that's I great! Will, I will I will weep because <laughs> I had the opportunity to buy one when I was back in college. Came to a game, they had them on the rack, and of course I'm a poor college student. I couldn't couldn't buy one. And then I what like I ran in, ran into some money like later in the year that we went and they didn't, didn't have any left and I was like no Steve Hines that was the only one I had an interest in getting just because of the hilarity of it and that's a that's a little peek into the in, insane mind of me where the like the sillier or in if it's if it's an ugly jersey then I absolutely want an ugly jersey but um, but yeah no like if if there's yeah the the more random the player like if I see a Mike Card. Um, buff a slug jersey that friggin' rules that's that's the kind of stuff i'm talking about show me like some dude that played five games for the team that you're like wait did that wait what who's that you have to look it up those are the great ones now, of course <laughs> i say that knowing full well that i own two sabers jerseys like that of course i'm never gonna wear one you know to a game for like a public event maybe i would but certainly not to a game. Obviously, I'm not in the press box, anyways. But uh, but I do own two of them of guys that played two guys that played. I think a total of three games with the Sabers. One played one when the other one I think played two, maybe three. But yeah, it's uh, that's uh, that's my own pet project of because uh, I grew up an RPI fan in Troy. So guys that went to RPI want to get a jersey of those guys that played um, that got NHL time. So. Um, yeah, so a an Eric Bergdorfer and a Jason Kasdorf jersey. I want to meet the other people who might have one of those. So that's the, that's where that that's where that's at. If I see somebody else with those in the crowd, I will leap out of my seat in the press box and go be like, "What the hell? Who, who are you?" I haven't seen any extremely random ones in a while at a Sabres game, so I can't even think of any any you know impressive ones that I've spotted in terms of just the rare players. Mm-hmm. If any of our listeners have one, 
please send along photos. We would Absolutely. love we would love for you to share what they are because I always, you know, when you're just when you're waiting for the anthem to start, I just look around the crowd. And I'm just looking to see oh, what yeah. jerseys people have to see if there's mm-hmm. any that really stand out. Yeah, I'm always looking in the crowd for some because there's some fans that wear the same ones to the games all the time, and there was always the yeah. one guy to the left of the press box. I think it's you know one person I should say one person to the left of the press box down closer to center ice. Uh, who wore a Quebec Remparts uh, Mikhail Grigorenko jersey almost every game, and I was like, hell yeah, Grigorenko guys here, that's great, love to see it. Yeah, but like that's, but like that, like that kind of depth of like wearing the uh, wearing like the junior or college jersey of a guy. Now, obviously, you know when Eichel was here, it's a lot of BU Eichel jerseys. Um, but I know a guy who has a Ryan O'Reilly Erie Otters jersey, which I'm just like, okay, that's that's cool as hell. Like a Vanek Gophers jersey, that's great too. I saw a yeah, I saw like a Winnipeg Ice jersey of Matt Savoy at, at Prospect wow. Challenge, which is a good one. Yeah, Already? I, I, I still cool. see I still see Lethbridge Hurricanes jerseys for Dylan Cousins, but oh, man, I haven't yeah. seen those. Jeez, we used yeah. to. There was a guy who wore uh, who was it? Hudson Fashing Minnesota Gophers jersey. And I was that's like, awesome. Jeez, that's freaking great. Good pool. Yeah, no, that, that 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 see, that's what that's what gets me to mark out is just like some rando, rando player, like depth guy, where it's just like, wow, you got that one? Holy smoke. <laughs> what is what what's the like that's the one I want to know the story of. That that's why I love uh Seth Rorabaugh at Pittsburgh taking yeah, like, I was gonna mention the concourse and getting pictures of all the rando ones. And I Dave Isaac started doing the same thing in Philadelphia uh, a few years back. And it was great just to see the random pull, like random. I mean, listen, Pittsburgh fans and Philly fans are great for that stuff. Cause it's just like, yeah, whoever just throw them on the back. It's fine. <laughs> it's not just all like star guys, which I, I'm not going to fault anybody for having star. It's great. It's awesome. But if you go to the debt, if you go deep with it and you're like, no, I spent 80 bucks to make sure that I got this guy put on the Jersey or I bought his, like this guy's game worn game issued Jersey. That's like, max credit you win like that's <laughs> like that's that's impressive yeah no I, I i can't wait until the season starts there's more people in the seats because that's that's just one of the weird things i look mm-hmm. at even on the road to see like what oh, what, yeah. what jerseys fans are wearing like i've seen in washington alone i saw like a, like some not a rare player by any means but like a, a couple of really like really cool olaf kolzig jerseys that i was like nice. all right that's yeah Nice. Yeah. That, yeah. The caps are good for some random ones. Basically, if you, if, if you're a player that played, that was in the, it was in NHL 94, 95 and somebody's got a Jersey of them. I'm like, yeah, let's go. All right. Good. <laughs> Love to see it. Like a Michael Pavanka caps Jersey. Yeah, that's right. Michael Pavanka right on. I saw, I saw Al Iafrady. That's another one oh. that I saw in, in Washington. Oh buddy. I've got one of those. That's awesome. It's uh, it's glorious. Also, it's really funny because I have a Joey Juno Bruins jersey. So both sides of that very lopsided trade in favor of Washington <laughs> uh, represented in shirt form here. Of course, I can't fit into the Juno Bruins jersey anymore, but let's, let's not talk. I got that when I was like 12, 13, 14, maybe. I don't know. I forget how old I was. 90, it was 94. The Bruins. Oh, 15, 14. Oh, my God. I'm old. Jesus. Put me in the grave already. God, it, it, no, it's not old. It's just <laughs> going through it right now, Lance. I'm just sorting through, sorting through it. I listen. I had I had an encounter uh, this weekend when I was in Massachusetts 
uh, it was in North Adams where I went to school at North Adams for two years and got talking with, you know, somebody at one of the stores there. Uh, and they were like, they're like, Oh, I'm graduating from the college this year. And I go, Oh, this year. Okay. <laughs> Right. Yeah. This year I was like, I was like, Oh, when did you go there? And I was like, well, I transferred out in 1999. And I'm like, you probably weren't born yet. Were you? No, I don't think so. And she's like, no, I wasn't. I was like, okay, okay. I gotta, I gotta leave now. I'm falling apart. I'm going <laughs> to disintegrate into the wind now. Thanks. Just it's, melt. Yeah. Just, you know, completely just die outside. Just whatever. Let, let me disappear into the Berkshires. It's great. Anyways, we're, we're in the ramble part of the podcast now, which means it's probably time to go. Hey, at least we ramble at the end and not the beginning or the middle, Joe. So we're doing we're doing some things right. So that's right. That's right. You know, and people who stick with us to the end, they get these treats. <laughs> talking so they nonsense. keep coming back for more. <laughs> <laughs> See, but this makes it worth worth it for people who want to stick around and, and hear uh, the 8-bit version of the Sabre Dance. Because I know there's some of you that really like that. Uh, which if you wanted to download it, it's in our show notes. I don't know that anybody reads our show notes, but if you do, thank you. Uh, and you probably knew this already. So we're not really talking to you. So it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, um, uh, let's just, let's just get things done here. Uh, Lance, uh, let the good people of the internet know where they can find you and your work. Thank you, Joe. Um, on Twitter, L-L-Y-S-O-W-S-K-I. And of course, it, in the Buffalo News, online and in print. So thank you, everybody, for following along and reading. Joe, what about yourself? Well, you, can find, you can find me on Twitter as well, uh, Joe Yerdon, J-O-E-Y-E-R-D-O-N. Uh, you can find me at Bleacher Report. Lots do it going through doing positional rankings, which is great to make people mad. I very much enjoy that. Uh, so keep up with those. I'll be doing another set this week centers or right wings i don't know we'll see we'll see what it is we'll find out i did the left wings last week defenseman of the week before that go did a whole 32 goalie rank before that i'll be doing those monthly so god help me um uh you can find me there noted hockey lots of stuff coming through there uh now nowadays especially you know now that i'm not going home for the weekend uh lots of stuff coming through there uh we're all die by the blade and an uncredentialed blog but having success anyways um and, uh, is there any place? No, there's nowhere else. That's it. Uh, thank you, Lance. This was this was a joy. Did you include always. maintenance day? Oh my god, maintenance! <laughs> day. Oh my god, have you guys heard about this podcast called Maintenance Day? It's incredible. Anyways, way to uh, plug the pod, Joe. Yeah, screwed up, screwed up again. Damn it. Uh, no, make sure to uh, you know subscribe to it. I think you can subscribe to it on your various uh, listening platforms. Rate us if you give us an insane rating. We'll probably read it. I haven't checked in in a little bit so joe i heard uh, there was a wild ad last week i didn't i didn't get to hear it yeah it, it was listen i feel like <laughs> I, I feel like i have to i owe a mea culpa well not no it's not even a mea culpa because it's not my it's not my fault okay i'm going full lando calrissian on this it's not my fault uh the way the ad was described for me was uh <laughs> It's, it's a, you know, it was a, a podcast aimed for, you know, for, you know, for women's talk, women's issues. I was like, great, cool. Like, you know, we support, <laughs> we support all of our audiences. This we is awesome. Great. And then it turned out to be a thing about traps, like human trafficking, women trafficking. And it was, and like, it was apparently a terrifying ad and not what I was expecting that to be at all because we, we don't get to listen to it ahead of time it's just like it's as described i go i you know, it gives me a link to the to the podcast website 
And I, I look at it and I go, well, it seems very normal. This is totally, you know, totally fine. It just so happened that the topic that week was human trafficking and they made it sound as terrifying as possible. And people were like, dude, what the hell is going on? I'm, I, I, I don't control that, okay? I also don't control where it happens in the show. So if it happens in the middle, it happens in the beginning, it happens at the end, it's fine. Thankfully, this week's ad is very much forward. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'm not going to – we don't comment on the ads because that's silly. We don't do that. But I had to – yeah, thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, really sorry about that, folks, because that was uh, – once I pointed it out, people went back and listened to the episode and be like, whoa, what are they talking about? Do I have to listen to the ad now? So maybe that's our sneaky way to goose listens. Just be like, whoa, can you believe that ad? Holy shit. Yeah, sorry about that, folks. Uh, I, we try to steer away from controversial ads, and I do my best to do that. And wasn't expecting that one to be controversial. And uh, whoops, whoopsies, sorry. Anyway, hopefully this week's ad is meets your approval, and everybody has fun with it, or doesn't have fun with it. It's fine. Maybe you're. Hopefully, you're not terrified by it. <laughs> hopefully, you're, hopefully you haven't been terrified by uh, our talking this week because uh, it, it was fun. Uh, thanks, everybody. We will uh, we will catch you again uh, next week. <laughs> <laughs>